You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Today we're going to be talking about two very different topics, the recent Broadway revival of Sweeney Todd and Kesha's new album, Gag Order. This is Half Hour with Jeff and Richie. Half Hour! What's up, everybody? It's Jeff and Richie, your co-host, and we're bringing you our weekly conversations on our top theater and pop music topics. And uh, just as a disclaimer to everyone, this episode may feature some spoilers, but you have been warned. Mm -hmm. So we're going to start in Broadway land again today because we are talking about the new Broadway revival of Sweeney Todd. So, Richie, take it away. All right, a little backstory as I always like to give. Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Suite, a musical thriller, has music and lyrics by Stephen Sondheim, book by Hugh Wheeler, (laughs) and this production stars Josh Groban and Annalie Ashford. We have a music supervision by Alex Lackmore, the orchestrations by Jonathan Tunick, choreography by Stephen Hodgett, and directed by Thomas Kale. Um... Big names there. Yeah, really big names there. Uh, just a little bit of background on this. Um, everyone knows that there, a lot of people know that this is a 1979 Tony Award winning best musical that was revived. I did I learn in my research that it was revived in 1989 okay. at the Circle in the Square Theater in a really small, um, stripped down kind of revival for a little bit. Then in 2005 with Patti Lapone and Michael Severus, where they played the instruments, it was a small, very abstract, stripped down kind of. So the last two times we've seen this on Broadway, it's been very like, let's kind of make this intimate and make this really stripped down. And right. and so now in this 2023 Broadway revival, we're looking at back to the original, huge orchestra, full orchestra, original full orchestrations, large cast, big, splashy energy, back to the original intention of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um so many amazing things going on here. I was blown away by this. I don't even know where to start other than like, thank you, live orchestrations. Thank you, ensemble. Thank you, fresh eyes of a director choreographer team. It's like, thank you, everyone. Yeah, I just, this is a production where I feel like the people who worked on it really worked on it together mm-hmm. as a team. And we're like, let's do Stephen Sondheim justice, but let's also tell this in maybe a, a, a true to form way, but also make it our own a little bit too, which is what I love that revivals do. Um, and, 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 and that's good. Yeah. 
You know, what did you think? And it's, like another, and it's another Stephen Sondheim musical under the belt for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've seen so many now. but um, Even over just the last year with Into the Woods and Company. Yeah. It's like, great. Yeah. Um, I'll put this musical up there for me, that <clears throat> it was something that I really enjoyed. And not to harp on this all the time, but what I really enjoy with a lot of the Sondheim shows are that there's such a story and he writes music to the story that's happening on the stage. It's not just random music thrown into Mm -hmm. a, a musical here. It's really captivating of your interest. And it just, I had never seen anything with Sweeney Todd. I've never even You've never seen, seen the movie. I, I haven't there, even seen the movie. I've is. tried to watch the movie. I don't get very far in the movie. It just doesn't really do it for me. But this musical, as soon as that ensemble took the stage, I was just fully in depth with the show. I was like, okay, they're, they have me into this. And something that I learned about this musical and this production was like choreo is usually not a big thing. Right. And when we saw the nomination come out, you immediately said, how is Sweeney Todd nominated for choreo? Yeah. And as soon as I started seeing this, I said, how was this never part of the musicals before that? Because I always hear about these stripped down versions. And some people have already also complained about this being kind of minimal. But I thought that there were so many great things happening with the cast, number one, but I also loved the set. Yeah. I did. So I know some people are like, oh, no, it was still small. But that set, there were so many things happening. There were so many breathing moments of that set that were just working. But, you know, all in all with this, I loved it. I would say to, to tack on to some of the designs as well, the lighting is incredible. Mm-hmm. And I'm blown away by how haunting it was. It was lit. It was lit by um, Natasha Katz, who, I mean, oh my gosh, she's done a million things. Mm-hmm. Um, the scenic design, Mimi uh, Leon, who you were talking about the scenery there. Um, and costumes were also great. Emilio Sosa loved the costumes of the period piece. Let's go to talking a little bit about Josh and Annalie here, yeah. because it is kind of all them. And I think that ties into two things as well, because <clears throat> I want to talk about them. But I just... A big thing that I want to get from you from okay. this show, and like I'm dying to know your burning thoughts on this, is like what really makes this show iconic? So like, and I think that's going to tie into these two characters of what who Josh and Annalie both play. I think what makes it iconic is that when you think of like murder and horror mm-hmm. and tragedy like that, you don't really think of like Broadway. Right? right? You think of romance and you think of like happy or if it's sad, it's about like death, but not like p- someone killing people. Like mm-hmm. it was definitely cutting edge for its time. Right. And so I feel like that's what makes it so iconic. I also think that the Sweeney Todd, Mrs. Lovett relationship is one of the most iconic and and complex mm-hmm. relationships to have. Len Cario and Angela Lansbury doing it in the original set this tone of like it's not just romance it's partners in crime but they're strangers in the beginning but then they full disclosure here gonna spoil if you haven't seen he kills her at the end like there's Mm. this whole like which i didn't know yeah he didn't know that i was like oh my gosh i didn't know so like forever everyone who does know the show like i didn't know that that was going to happen as soon as like the way they did it in this show i was like wait what yeah yeah And, and so that's what I think makes it iconic is this like complexity of these two. And it is really mm-hmm. them too. There's wonderful supporting characters too. Right. Um, 
But overall, it's just that, and it's the sweeping score, and it's moments. Yeah. It's the it's the first slit of the throat. It's the pot, the uh, worst pies in London song, and Angela. Uh, when Mrs. Lovett's character first comes out, right? It's the barber scenes. It's the oven scenes. Mm. It's the those moments that I think really are just iconic in the piece. And I have this iconic moment here of like, how do they take this fictional story and they relate it to such something that's like such a big topic in our everyday world? And two things I wrote down is like, your social injustices and class inequality that happens in this show. And it's done in this like demonistic way that it's like, whoa, okay, he's murdering people, but other people in the show are also using their privilege to murder and to have power over. And he is also doing it, but is he the only one that's getting wronged in the end? Well, then he's trying to get back at the judge and the judge has his daughter and all this backstory. Yeah, it is such a commentary on on class and social systems. And obviously, Sweeney and Mrs. Lovett are like horrible people still for doing what they're doing. But, you know, it's it's just... There's also this like... um, it's brilliant to take something like this and add comedy to it. And mm-hmm. you sometimes can't realize how much you're laughing. And I think that's what's really smart about um, Hugh Wheeler and Stephen Sondheim putting this together and saying, like, wait, a little priest is such an important and needed moment in the show. We need 10 minutes to laugh about how insane this is. Totally. You know, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I think that's important, too. But they pick they pick through the people that they want to murder. Yeah, like poet so people, and priest, obviously, right. the and, title of the song, and, and, and all judge. Of, and, but, and while they're singing it, they're talking about each one of their issues and why they would make a good pie or yeah, why they wouldn't make yeah. a good pie. And it's just so clever. It's very smart. And what we kind of learn later, when they do start murdering, who do they target? They target people without families. They target foreigners. They target certain things that they could put in the pie that no one would miss. So they're also acting in a way of like, hmm, you know, yeah. this person doesn't matter. because mm-hmm. And they feel like, oh, well, I never mattered. So, like, it's just – that's the clever part for me. Yeah. And, and, and I think bringing it back to its original form really helps mm-hmm. with that, which is why I think adding some choreo works. Some of the, like, shadowy characters – imitating a scene as they're singing about it works mm-hmm. i i from a choreography standpoint it works totally i do think it's a shame that tommy kale was not directed for um uh, didn't get a tony nomination for best director for oh this. he deserved it yeah i mm-hmm. just think that's such a shame where you're seeing a vision come to life and i just didn't really think that i thought he should have received a nomination at the least for that mm-hmm. and that's a shame that he did not um but talking about some of these performances I mean, well, let's leave Josh and Annalie for last. But I would love to go to Ruthie Ann Miles as the beggar woman. Totally works. Totally. She's amazing at what she does. That character is so interesting. And I love what she's doing with it. Yeah. Um, I'm... I thought I thought Gata Matarazzo as Tobias was great. What a character. I was saying this when we left the theater. How the character starts the show and ends the show. Mm-hmm. Really intertwined in the plot. Is really well written. And he has this, I love Not While I'm Around. It's like such a tearjerker for me. And I think it's one of the greatest Sondheim songs he ever wrote. And he sings that. And he was great. Mm-hmm. And he's like growing up from like Stranger Things, right? To like this now. Um, and listen, I... I thought Jordan Fisher was nice at Anthony. I just think Joanna and Anthony, to me, it's like I know that they're needed for the plot, but I just don't really think I need them as much as I get them in the show. We get so many scenes and songs with them, 
And I don't know why I feel like why well, like is, the Joanna theme throughout the whole musical. It's a, it it's gets a one little too old. many times. The Greenfinch and Linnet Bird song is beautiful, but like if I was sitting in Carnegie Hall watching her sing it with an orchestra, <laughs> like in the plot, I'm like, why? I get it. Like she feels like the trap bird, and there's yeah. the bird seller, and I understand that, but I just it's a little much for me for a two hour and fifty minute musical. Basically, we were getting out. It started at seven. We got out at basically ten o'clock. So to have a show this but, long. It, Cut did a it, little bit back on their stuff. That's oh, my. But thoughts, did you but. feel like the show was long? No, no, because it moves and it has moments. If anything, I would want more development in other areas because I do feel like Act Two ends up becoming a little rushed. Yeah, and Act One, it takes us all the way to the end of Act One to realize, oh, now he's going to start killing people and doing the pies. It but I also guess, like act in Act Two, like how many times could we just watch him kill people? Right. You know, it works, it happens, it's done, right. and then, like, we move on. But it gets very, like, lay Miz at the end, where, like, everything is coming and burning and crashing and at the end. And everyone's dying. And, you know, and everyone's singing and everyone's this, and then and then everyone's dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and then let's talk about Josh and Annalise's performance. Let, let's go to Josh first. Josh first. He's a wonderful singer. Yeah. He, no doubt. Right, like and the man is glorious vocals. It. Like it's insane. Mm-hmm. I don't think the acting is at the level of the vocals. It's there. He. It's almost like he was more committed in the songs and scenes with her, and then anything alone just seems like the balloon was deflating a little for me. When he was, these are my friends, and he yeah. has the blades. I'm like, all right, it's getting a little like, uh but then he comes to life with Annalie, and I think she pulls that out of him. Well, a lot. I would say something on his performance, and if I'm supposed to believe that he really wants revenge, I don't believe it. It's a little lackluster at times, some of that. And I needed to kind of have that feeling, and I don't have any other uh, performances to compare him to where I haven't seen anyone do yeah. the role. So I'm really going off on him. Yeah. So it's fine, but I, I know the character and I know what he wants. He mm-hmm. wants revenge on the people that wronged him. Yeah. So I don't really get that from him coming in being like, okay, I'm ready to kill. Right. It's there. It's in the text, right. but it's not really like, mm, And it know. was fine. And it could have been like, they could have done something else with the role. And like, I like that he did what he did with it. Right. And he's fine. It was great. It just wasn't, to me, the star... The star. And who carries this show. She's a star. It's a star. <laughs> Annalie Ashford. Yes. It's brilliant what she's doing here. And I will say this because I totally want to know what you think too. But when you have someone originate a role, mm-hmm. an iconic role, yes. I always say what did all the roses do before Ethel Merman? Mm-hmm. Right? So like I always think it's smart when you take a little of Ethel and then you make it your own. What Annalise is doing here is taking a little bit of Angela. And then making it her own. What a tribute to Angela Lansbury. And yet at the same time, she made it this completely new thing. Like you would think, oh, that's an iconic role. But also, did she originate this role? When you feel both of those things, there's the sweet spot to me of there's the performance. Mm -hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Which is why I think this also, as a whole, this whole musical really kind of hits the nail on the head of, like, why it's really great and iconic. Because it took an ode to the original production, from what it sounds like, and brought it in here. So the people that studied that and brought that into this piece, and then enhanced it. So what did she do? She really enhanced it. In what? A little bit more of a sexual way than probably Angela was But then it was comedy, like awkwardness and then there was like oh i lust for you but that comedy never left so the same comedy that angela brought annalee brought they just brought it in different ways she brought it in a more like 
she's kind of demonic as well. Yes. And, um, but it's, it's Angela a, did. And yes. now, you know, Annalie's bringing it as this like sex craze, like woman who is funny, but also demonish. I ne- it's also this amazing complex performance and character of like, I want you, but you're scary, but I like you, but am I doing this with you? Whoa, I'm not. Yes, I am. But she's and- partly him. Yeah, and she's she's there yeah. doing it all. And then to see him turn on her at the end and do that to her is astonishing in their relationship, too. Right, because she turned an eye for what? To little, climb the ladder. Yeah, right. So she knew, oh, okay, my pie shop is now working. I can pay off my debts. Yeah, yeah. I can buy things. I can do yeah. things. And she wanted to do that with him. Right. They were just doing it in the wrong way. She... Is I, I'm gonna say it. I think she's gonna win the Tony Award for this. She has a she's great definitely potential. gonna. It's between her and Victoria Clark for me for this season. We're gonna have a whole episode on Tony predictions coming up in a couple of weeks. So hold on for that. But yes. this is just I'm yearning for her to keep coming back on stage. I'm blown away, and I know we're getting close on time, but I have to say one more thing about this performance. Favorite parts, and also just make this directorial though, like. Give me what was directed okay. really well. The iconic moments from Tommy. Two Kale. iconic moments, and both times you must have heard me gasp. Because I probably did too. Yeah. <laughs> it was the last three seconds of Act One and the last three seconds of Act Two. Mm-hmm. And I always say that a direct an amazing director choice is how does a scene, especially an act, end? Mm-hmm. And what are you left with? I can name a million plays we've seen where it's like that yeah. feeling of is how it ends, whether it's musical or play. When they smash those cleavers and, and rolling pins down on the pies at the very end of Little Priest, and it splatters everywhere to instantly black out those lights. When the whole song, they're pantomiming. Yeah. That is brilliant to me. And I was like, they're like, at all. And, and dun, 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 bum. And I'm like, ah. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm feeling it all. And then. We go to the end of Act Two and like, okay, the ballad of Sweeney Todd, and they're like, they are the demon Barbara Fleet, and I'm like, they're and I'm like, oh, they're walking together, like they're together, they're yeah. holding hands, and it looks like they're just gonna walk off into the distance. And we were upstairs, and I should have probably noticed that the stage was open, but I just didn't for some reason. Mm. Maybe because it was lit so well. Another ode to this amazing lighting, and I was like, they're walking, and then they stopped and they looked at each other. And I'm like, what's about to happen? And they jump, and I'm like, oh, well, the, I down to hell or down to the earth or down, down, to, down to hell. They're going and to hell. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> this is the way to end this. Those well, two moments alone should have been Tommy Kell's Tony nomination, but okay. I was blown away. If by I those remember two correctly, moments. I'm pretty sure there was fog, and that's why we didn't maybe that's see. why we didn't see it. And I think, and I know they go, the demon barber of Fleet Street, I think at the very end, and I have to look at the score, I think they, the demon barber of Fleet, orchestra, 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 streets, like it's this like different kind of an ending. And they go, with the orchestra, if you listen to the orchestration, yeah. which is what a smart director does, mm-hmm. the orchestra is going, like something's falling. Yeah. Like it makes sense that that's how they would literally end. I but, just, all, but there's so many messages in that as well, because he's now going into the street. Like, he, boom, he's into the street, falling. With her, where this, where he did all this. Now he's part of that yeah, street. Yeah, It's just really incredible. Were those your moments, too? Yeah. yeah. I also, I wanted to point something out that I really, really loved from a choreography point. 
the breathing of scared or like they don't know what's going to happen in the the music was just great. And I don't know if that's actually in the actual no, music. No, I think that's added in the t- Where they're like, <laughs> yeah. So when other people are singing and like the choreo, the whole thing is breathing. Like they're scared for their lives. And they're tilting. Yeah. And they're moving their arms and hands in this modern way, but it works for a period piece. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, it's really smart. I really don't have much anything bad to say about this no it's just a really really great show and there there's a reason why this is its fourth time on broadway i always say when les mis has been on broadway three or four times and this there's a reason why gypsy's been on broadway four these shows every 20 years there's an audience yearning for this story to be told Mm -hmm. again and i love it so well that was something that we were talking about too is like what made this show so good and you know everything we just said yeah yeah Great stuff. So kudos to everyone and go see it. Go see it. Get the tickets in advance. It's I know it's a hard ticket to get, but go, go, go. Just go. Yeah. Really loved it. So moving over into Popland. Uh Kesha just released her new album, Gag Order. So this is a departure from her previous pop-oriented work. It showcases more of a rock-inspired sound and lyrics that address themes of power, control, and the Me Too movement. Uh, This album is an unapologetic and powerful statement from Kesha, who has been vocal about her own experience with abuse and harassment in the music industry. Gag Order is a bold and compelling work that showcases Kesha's growth as an artist and her commitment to speaking about truth and power. And I feel like that's like a great way to kind of sum up what this album is. And while listening to it, if you don't feel those words, you know, mm-hmm. you got to re-listen to the mm-hmm. album. Because I think that this is a strong move for her, especially when she still has to put her music out under Dr. Luke's um, album, mm-hmm. uh, record label. Mm-hmm. So it's a big thing. But we listened to this together. So I did want to get your opinions on the album, whether you like the sound or you just like what she's doing, you know. I think it's it's important that she did this. I think it's great and brave that she did something like this. Right. Uh, it's great, and there's emotion there, and there's lyric that means a lot. And that's the best part to me is to see someone really use an art form right. like that to express how they feel. Is it? It's it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to listen to the whole album like that. I don't know if it. I hate to say like, well, it could have been, could she have done less songs? I don't want to say that. Maybe it could, it could have been a breakup of the, a lot of the songs sounded similar to me. So it was hard to differentiate emotion on different song by song. Mm-hmm. Cause to me, it was all blended as just one tragic pain. Yeah. Um, even the last song, which I think is called happy or something or happier or something seemed sad. So yeah. I don't know if there's, but it was fine. It was great. I'm glad that she's doing this. I just don't know um, maybe how it could have, taken us on a little bit more of a roller coaster journey than just like to me it was a little of the same for 13 songs i can see that i think what this album really is is the album that kesha needed to just make and put out there and say this is my experience being in the industry this is like how i was created i was put through the industry i was hurt in the industry the industry doesn't have my back and now let me talk about this and I applaud that she even made this album and put it out under the label and the contract that she still has to do. So that's a lot there. But I will say, like, if you listen to some of this, and is it going to be her most iconic thing? Probably not, because the pop industry is weird and it really only applauds and, you know, loves certain things. But people will look at this and appreciate it and they will say... 
we are ready for Kesha to fly like a bird now and make the music that she wants sure. to make and put that out, you know? So and, and, and I, I know you had some standout tracks that you probably wanted to talk about too. Yeah, I thought there were some great moments too, even from like a pop thing. So if she's still gonna pull in her pop elements into the album. I thought that some great songs on here were Only Love Can Save Us Now and then the song The Drama. Because structurally, I thought it was still cool and there is an amazing iconic key change in that song that I was not expecting. But also she ends that song with such power and saying like, I'm over this world. And if I come back, this is what I want to be. Yeah. You yeah. know, so it's certain things like that. that I'm just like, okay, good. I, good I, for you. And one thing I will say when an artist in any form writing music or even playwrights, I say this too, when you use cursing all the time, yeah, I do become numb to it. So when every song has the F word a million times, I lose the impact of it. But when Taylor Swift says it once in one song, mm-hmm. ooh, that hit, or when someone shouts it in a play once or twice versus blank, 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 blank I get numb to it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying I'm numb to it. Maybe she feels so numb to so many things that that's why she used it so much. But right. it was a lot. It was It was a lot for me. To hear every song multiple times, cursing, cursing, cursing. I'm like, I understand you. Like, I hear you. It's okay. But if that's the only way she felt like she got across, then good for you. You know what I mean? I just get a little numb to it. Like, okay, wow, she's really, oof, you know. Wrong. Yeah. But, and, and that's okay. But also, like, music is poetry. So sure. if she is writing her poetry in this way, then that's how she wants to express right. the way she's feeling. And I... Love her for right, that. Right, totally. I did, listening to this album did bring up like a big topic in my head here about women in the industry in general and how they are built into these pop, manufactured pop stars yeah. that in any certain way, they can easily have that taken all away from them. So I think this is an interesting topic. And it's also kind of interesting because I wanted to tie it back to Sweeney Todd in a certain way, but uh, industry that... There's always power above them. So, and the way Sweeney looked at it, like power, and he wanted his revenge. Yeah. And in a way, is this Kesha's sure. revenge on an industry that didn't have her. Right. So, like, tying those two things in there, I thought, wow, they're two very opposite topics, but they work together. One person you know? wrote music and released an album. The other person just slaughtered people. <laughs> two very different things. I understand, though. I understand taking away the context. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I had to tie it in. Okay, but here. taking away the context yes, of it. Of course. Of, yes, the, I hear the, you. The, the theme of revenge right. in this way. A revenge album of like, dude, you really messed yeah. me up. Yeah. And yeah. I was having a great career in life and then you wanted well, to take yeah, that away from me. And the impact that that has on these people. Too, you know, right? and I we've seen this many times in the pop music mm-hmm, industry. Mm-hmm. So to keep seeing it happen, and especially to women, I thought I wanted to get your feeling on what, how do these artists maybe get to move on from this? Well, this, number one, writing this album and this mm-hmm. music, and then sometimes I always say like writing the music is great. Maybe taking a break for a little bit is also okay too, or both. Maybe yeah. maybe we won't hear from her for now for a while again, mm-hmm. you know, um, speaking your mind, speaking your truth, standing up for platforms that you feel like help you going to your fan base is always a great place to go to because those yeah. people will be by, by you no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and go to your family and friends, find that support in right. your personal life. Right. There's a lot of ways, but I think using the art form as music, what Kelly Clarkson's doing right now, yes, 
Yeah. Use your what you are good at and put that energy into the world. Yeah. Which is interesting. We'll, yeah. we'll move into the pop music drop yeah. because I do want to talk because actually the Kelly Clarkson song and there's another yes. song on the pop music drop that I also think tie into our theme of the week here. But we'll move to the yeah, Kesha's we- albums out now. Go check it out. I want to know your thoughts on it. But it's definitely something you should listen to and just feel what she's feeling. And a lot of new music came out this yeah. weekend. So let's go through it. So, Pop Music Drop Countdown, here's how it works. I select my top six songs of the week, and Richie will decide whether they are going to be a bop or a flop, yeah, just based on listening to it and seeing, you know, what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to start with uh, Kalichi, and the song is Tears in the Midnight. I love this ES bop, an 80s, 80s, 80s. Like, yeah. what an ode to that. I loved it. Um, then we have Zara Larson, End of Time. Also, Bob loved this. Bob. Felt the energy of this. Yes, Bob. Yes. I think we're going to have a lot of bops this week because we were fed this week. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Conan Gray, Never Ending Song. So this is Fence for me, Leaning Bob. I'm not obsessed yet. I got to listen to it a few more times. He does this to Conan all the no, time. No, it's fine. It's just like not. Yeah, it's fine. Listen to the lyrics. Yeah. It's better. Uh, <laughs> Kylie Minogue, Padum Padum. Um. Yes. <laughs> Kylie also just released uh, said that uh, new album's coming out yeah, in September. Yeah, good for so. her. She's like working. Yeah. Yeah. So pa-dum, love, pa-dum. It. love it. You love it. Love it. Now here's the final two songs, and this will also tie in here. But Lova Pop Star. Yeah, love this. This and if you listen to the lyrics of this, it's another one saying talking about building up a pop star to then literally take it away yeah, from them yeah. and like. You know, that you're 16 and you're starting out in the industry and they're making you work hard, hard, yeah. hard. And then, what, you're 30 and they're like, we're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Build you into Rihanna. Mm-hmm. Then you're done. Right. That's what it's saying. And it's like, oh, I'm like, that's so telling. Anyway, then last, Kelly Clarkson, favorite kind of high. Yeah, I love this. And her vocals are so good on this. And I love the energy of the song. And I know that she's been writing and talk- singing a lot of sadder songs lately. This was just a different spin. I love an upbeat, happy energy from her. Well, that album is coming out at the end of June. Okay. So we will we'll be talking about Because it's just don't, favorite girl. Don't you worry. We'll be talking about the whole thing. But she said that the album is about a whole... Um, relationship arc like start to finish so when you heard the song you were like oh does she have a new love and i'm like no i think this is the song mm. about when she first met yeah him yeah before the divorce yeah. so how what an interesting concept for that album and i can't really wait to see how that how plays all, out because like yep. oh if she's going to be bringing multiple like highs and lows of her relationship that's smart yeah totally and that is really smart. Not just like, here's my breakup album. Here's my happy album. Like, mix it up. Show yeah. us how you felt during a whole relationship. Yeah. Which, and that song's a bop. And she's working with Carly Rae Jepsen's producer oh, on that. Yes. So if you couldn't tell a little bit, but bop, bop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Flying by. We're almost at the end here. There's okay, that there bell noise. You know what the sound means. Uh, this has been another episode of Half Hour. And we hope you enjoyed the episode. So leave us a comment on wherever you listen to this podcast and make sure you subscribe for all of our new episodes. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Half Hour Podcast. We love hearing from our listeners. So make sure you join in on all of our questions and suggestions, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. We got um, big things coming up. We're almost done with this Tony season. We have a couple more shows to talk about. And then we're moving on to Tony predictions and Tony 
recap episodes because yeah. the Tonys are only a few weeks away. We'll have tons to talk about there. This was a very saturated season of theater. So. <laughs> we only have one episode, though, left before the Tony production yeah, episode. Yeah, so, it's a double bill. We got some yeah. other shows coming. New York, so. New York, and Prima Facie. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, so big, big things. Yeah. Um, and more pop music, of course, because summer's coming and everyone's releasing their music. So of course. we love this time of year. Yeah. Oh, and next week we see Taylor Swift. So that oh, will yes, also be. Oh, yes, we have that concert. We're going uh, to see her. That will also be part of the conversation. Yep. Half Hour Podcast is attending a Taylor, the Taylor Swift concert, uh, the Eras Tour. So we'll have a whole yes. update on that. Can't wait. Yay. Anyway, thanks you all for listening, and we'll see you next Monday. Sing ta ta. I'm Jeff. And I'm Richie. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.